Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Wise Woman Podcast. Today, we have in Dr. Barter. In this episode, we talk about fertility, how men can notice if they have low testosterone, balancing your blood sugar for optimum health, and everything you need to know about functional medicine nutrition. Thanks so much for being here. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Wise Woman Podcast, featuring leading voices in 2019, supporting women to fully show up, connect to their feminine authenticity and truth. I am your host, Erin Rachel Doppel, bringing light to the marriage between Eastern practices and Western psychology, while encouraging you to show up for yourself and the world around you. May this be your time to shine. May you show up. I am super pumped about today's guest. We have Dr. Barter, a chiropractor who sees high-level functional medicine cases. Hi, Dr. Barter. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm psyched to be here. Us as well. So how did you get into functional medicine and chiropractic? Well, it's interesting because I think we show up here because of our own personal struggles, right? So it all started for me back when I was a teenager. And I remember going to the doctor and I had acne all over my face and I was having really heavy periods and it turned out to be that when I went to her, she said, hey, we can give you some different gel for your face, a topical cream, because my neighbor sells it. And all your labs look, quote unquote, the dreaded term, normal. And at that time, I just felt defeated because the next step was Accutane and birth control, which was something that I really did not want to do. And fast forward a couple years and I just went ahead and gave up. So fast forward a couple years and I remember waking up and I was about a senior in high school and I said, mom, I, I, I can't stand up straight. I need to stay home from school today. My period cramps are just really, really bad. And she said, no, we're going to go to a different doctor. We're going to figure something out. I had mistaken my period cramps with my appendix exploding because they were that high. And, you know, the whole time I'm in the hospital getting an organ removed, they said, you're perfectly normal. You're completely healthy. You're doing fantastic. And at 17, I'm thinking, wow, I'm having organs removed out of my body. What is wrong here? So fast forward a year or two when I'm in college. And I start breaking out with hives during finals time. And this wasn't just, oh, hives under your shirt, just a little bit here. No, I looked like a legitimate creature from Star Wars. Um, it was all over my face. And hives can be dangerous because they can swell up inside your neck. And unfortunately, they were throwing, they were swelling up in my throat and I was having trouble breathing. So night after night, I'm in the emergency room. Clearly, I had a Benadryl deficiency, didn't know that. So it was night after night, Benadryl. Nobody talked to me about potentially environmentals that could be causing it. Nobody talked to me about diet. Nobody talked to me about anything but giving me a Benadryl deficiency and sending me on my way. So finally, I was just fed up. And this was about 20 years ago, right? And I just got fed up. And I said, you know what? I need to find other answers. And I sought acupuncture, chiropractic, and everything else. And they start talking to me about diet allergies and diet sensitivity. So I was doing paleo back when paleo was not cool. <laughs> Absolutely not cool at all. People were wondering what I was doing during the low fat fad time. 
So that was kind of my journey. And the doc that treated me did a lot of functional medicine. And so I just ended up finally through a series of events, um, ending up doing functional medicine because this is a second career for me. I worked at Lockheed Martin doing negotiations first. So it's quite a switch. And it just really changed my life. And I wanted to do something that I was so passionate about and help other people that fell into the, your lab range is normal. You're perfectly healthy. Sorry, you have these symptoms. Have a nice day um, to help those people regain their health. This is a huge conversation piece, even in my own practice and amongst my friends and family, even getting off birth control is like so controversial, but you always know, you always know how it feels in your body and that it doesn't serve you or it does. I mean, you have to connect to that intuitive healing response. Wow. So what are some of the patients and clients that you have today? What are they facing? I mean, I see a ton of Hashimoto's as huge. I see a ton of hormone issue imbalances. I see a ton of neurotransmitter deficiencies. I see chronic infections across the board, mold toxicity, food sensitivities, you really name it. Um, People come in feeling generally, the general conversation that I have is people are in pain, they're inflamed, they can't sleep, they can't poop, or they're pooping too much, or something like that. And they're just hemorrhaging half the month or not having a period at all or can't get pregnant. So I pretty much see everything across the board. Um, but those are the big ones that I see. And, and um, Hashimoto's really walks in a lot because I do work so with chiropractic. And um, the Hashimoto's piece is huge with women. Um, so a lot, of, uh, a lot of thyroid issues are autoimmune. And in in most of the time, that has not been diagnosed yet in women. So they present with pain or headaches, and we find Hashimoto's. And then we prescribe them birth control. Right. It's such a good technique. Something interesting on birth control that most people don't know that that makes their jaws drop when I tell them is, for example, the Paragard IUD. Excess copper in the body, you know, because it's quote unquote non-hormonal, but excess copper in the body leads to brain deterioration. Well, that's really concerning. That's what I have. And I didn't know that. Sorry. (laughs) So something that can help to mitigate that is your copper and your zinc need to be in the right ratio. Um, And ultimately what can happen is you can start to get, you'll, if you some people don't react as well and some people do, but it tends to act as a heavy metal or as, as an oxidant when those get out of balance. So the research has been pretty clear on Paragard, actually. That is super fascinating. It's mm-hmm. so fun. Like whenever I take on female clients, one of the first things I do is have them switch to a non-hormonal form of birth control. Mm-hmm. And um, so if somebody is on the Paragard, They just have to get blood work to see how their copper and zinc levels are. Yeah. And you can ultimately offset some of that with, you know, just making sure that they're on the right balance. So um, a lot of people are zinc deficient anyways. And, um, you know, when you add the Paragard in there, that can really change the level. So, I mean, I, I would highly recommend knowing what your zinc to copper ratio is so that, especially if you're having brain symptoms, especially if you're forgetful or suddenly feel tired or those things um, are, are kind of indicative that maybe something's a little off balance. 
But this is, by the way, this is years, so don't be panicked. I think I post out on social media and it created all this controversy because people were really upset about that. And my goal was to help women be informed on this and not to scare them, just to say, hey, we really may want to balance this information out. Hi everyone, Erin here. So sorry to interrupt today's episode, but I have something amazing to share with you. Do you want to become a mindfulness or well-being strategist? Perhaps so. If you do, I have the exact program for you in partnership with UPeace, the United Nations Institution. We are offering a three-month training to certify people in mindfulness and well-being strategy. This is a three-month virtual program plus one-week in-person retreat in Osada, Costa Rica. This certificate is in partnership with UPeace, a United Nations international school that focuses on social innovation, entrepreneurship, and peace building. The certificate will train participants in meditation, mindfulness, coaching, positive psychology, emotional intelligence, new ways of healing, sales funnels, branding, overall modern day wellness and how you can launch and grow a business. As a graduate, you can take on one-on-one clients as a well-being strategist, offer wellness programming in corporations, schools, and more. Build your own wellness programming and learn how to attract clients and grow your business. Definitely check out the links in the footnotes would love, love, love to have you. Thanks so much for listening and hope to see you soon. So my background as well, I'm also, I'm a functional medicine health coach and I recently was having a conversation with a family friend and he wanted me to prove that fruits and vegetables were good for you. Like wanted me to have a scientific article that talked about how plants were like good for the body. And it's just another metaphor for how disconnected we are from food and our diet and intuitive eating. Mm-hmm. It, I think it really is. It's, I think a big problem is today is a lot of people have blood sugar dysregulation, you know, and so ultimately they're really craving those carbohydrates. Um, people are so busy. They feel like they don't have time to cook vegetables or maybe they don't taste as good as those spiking carbohydrates. And one of the first things in practice that, um, I started to realize as my, as my cases got harder was patients would come in complaining about the same thing. So I initially put people on an elimination diet, right? Just to kind of see if there's any food sensitivities. And I do this short term because we really do want to reincorporate foods to have a correct microbiome. But but I basically do protein, fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds. Okay. Um, and after 30 days, we reincorporate food. And in something that happened that was really interesting in the, in the midst of this is people will say, you know what, I really want to do this, but I can't, I need those carbohydrates. I really, um, I, I just need that chocolate chip cookie. I need this. I need that, these uh, simple carbs. And initially, I remember about seven years ago of practice, I thought this was more of a willpower issue. And then I realized that it was more of a neurotransmitter imbalance. Like, so for example, you're going to crave certain foods based on your neurotransmitters, right? So if you're really lacking and you're really stressed out and you have blood sugar issues, your body naturally wants to spike those neurotransmitters, which happens with carbohydrates or sugar, right? And I notice this in my own life when 
my, this is very simple. My commute increased like 10 minutes. This is not, I had a death in the family. This is not anything that was traumatic. My commute just increased. I found myself stopping at the store and all I wanted was a stinking chocolate chip cookie. And I teach people about health all day. So I'm like, what am I doing? What's going on here? And I started to realize that for whatever reason, I wasn't eating enough. My blood sugar was dysregulated and the increase in stress was just enough to kind of tip me over that barrier to be neurotransmitter deficient. And so I was trying to help myself by boosting those up, eating simple foods. But unfortunately, I was making the problem worse. And so I feel like people get really addicted to the foods that they're eating because they haven't fixed that underlying problem. You know, and so they want to find a reason not to eat fruits or vegetables or not to eat foods that are going to stabilize their blood sugar and have you quote unquote prove it. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's such a phenomenon. And this really was once I was completed my health coaching training, I was deciding, do I want to go back to school and study dietetics and nutrition like, and get that proper master's degree? Or do I want to go back and study clinical psychology? And I decided to do clinical psychology because I was more I was very interested in the psychology of eating, the thought processes around food, how we have those emotional attachments, emotional addictions to our foods. And I found because of that work, I'm learning so much through my clients. And a big conversation right now really is this gut healing. And I know we talk about this. We've talked about it before on this podcast. But if somebody notices that, wow, they're a little bit constipated and maybe they have a little bit of cystic acne and a little bit of mood swings and they're a little bit tired, what's a good protocol? I feel like I just described like all my clients. <laughs> what, what's a good protocol? Um maybe detox or, or program that they can do to realign and support repair in their gut? Well, one of the first things you have to do, I think, is to stabilize the blood sugar, right? Because if you're having those constant blood sugar swings, you're also getting those constant cortisol swings, which really does create a quote unquote leaky gut. So that means that our gut should be, um, it, it should basically have, the gap junction should be together, not spread apart where we've got all these food sensitivities, et cetera. Um, so I think that's one of the first things that happens. Um, you also want to see with, with acne, a lot of times I've seen a low grade type of infection. Um, it's not across the board. A lot of times people have viral infections. Some people have parasites. Some people have been exposed to um, heavy metals to mold, but you want to rule out basically based on their lifestyle, uh, you know, have they been exposed to toxins? And we know that most people have. Um, we're exposed to 80,000 chemicals every single day. When I would talk about this, you know, five years ago, I used to say 75,000 chemicals every seven days. Our body is not equipped to handle all of that. Most people don't drink enough water. Most people are eating foods that they're reacting to. So you have to figure that out because food is the one thing you can control. I mean, you cannot walk around in a bubble suit, you know, and just be like, I'm not going to be exposed to anything. So really the one thing you can control is food. Um, so that's important. I really save, you know, the leaky gut for last. I see patients that have had leaky gut for years and now they're having depletion in neurotransmitters. So 
I boost those up just so that the patients don't crave those certain foods um, as much. And then, you know, you're certainly going to have hormone imbalances, right? And so let's say the blood sugar swinging all the time eh, eh, or there's inflammation or there's a gut infection or something else. For example, just very simple for a man, um, as inflammation goes up, testosterone goes down. We have an epidemic of men with low testosterone, very, very low. And a lot of times, you know, a man with 200 or 300 testosterone on lab work, total testosterone will be told that that's totally normal, but they're telling you that they have no sex drive, they can't build muscle, um, they ache all over, um, they don't feel like they did when they were a little bit younger, right? And so ultimately, they are on an inverse relationship. Same thing happens with women. We will see with when the blood sugar dysregulates, we will also see hormone imbalances. So I I say in about 20% of cases, I address hormones specifically. So um, we know with PCOS, like cystic acne, chin hair growth, et cetera, we really see that blood sugar be dysregulated, either hypoglycemia, hyperglycemia, or kind of a swinging, like someone will eat pretty well, but then forget to eat, or they'll quote unquote intermittent fast, but they have coffee <laughs> um, first thing in the morning and they're, they think that they're intermittent, intermittent fasting, but they're really not, right? Because that coffee is really going to blow the blood sugar. Alcohol is really going to blow the blood sugar. And I don't think that we know what that looks like. So a good example of this it, that most people don't know um, coffee, nicotine, and um, alcohol all blow the blood sugar, right? So uh, I dork out and like to use a glucometer to check my blood sugar. And I made some startling discoveries when I was doing this. So I went out and ha had dinner and had a glass and a half of wine with friends. And I got up the next day, dorking out and ch checked my blood sugar. I wake up and run at about 85 every single day. Um, this particular morning, it was sitting at a lovely 200, which is very high, which is actually you know, diabetes. <laughs> I didn't have any symptoms of a hangover. And I certainly, a glass and a half of wine doesn't, doesn't do that to most people. I didn't have any symptoms of a hangover, nothing. And um, that's where my blood sugar was sitting. So when we're going out and we're drinking every night and we're having, you know, a pastry for breakfast or something, we, we're really having these, these highs and lows with blood sugar that ultimately cause inflammation. So I believe we have to address that first. And then once those things are stable, if the hormones are still imbalanced, we can go after that, after treating the person first and seeing how their body responds because our body is amazing when it comes to hormones. It's the first thing that dysregulates because you don't need it to sustain your own life really, right? But it's the last thing to come into balance when people get healthy. Wow. That is really fascinating. And I always, I practice intermittent fasting, but I also sometimes have coffee and still think, I'm in a fasted state, but it blows blood sugar out of the water. I think everybody is a little bit different. It blows mine up 30 points. 
So I think everybody's a little different. It's depending on how much you're drinking, how you're handling it. But caffeine is definitely a blood sugar blower. So if someone were to try to regulate their blood sugar, what is a example of a day of eating or moving or connecting that would benefit them? You know, everybody is a little different. So there's no like 100% across the board. Um, And it really depends on how stressed you are. But for most people, I think a lot of people need protein or fat in the morning. So for example, if somebody is a vegan or vegetarian, I just think to up the fat a little bit just to keep that blood sugar stable. Some people do pretty good with protein in the morning, right? And so I think that that stabilizes and it it really helps that 3 p.m. crash. What you're doing for breakfast really makes a big difference. And then my recommendation is is if you're going to do carb loading, I recommend doing that in the middle of the day so you're not sitting there sleeping with high amounts of carbs, you know, because most people, um, most people have trouble with weight or want to lose weight. And so ultimately putting a belly full of carbs and going to bed is not the best way to do it. So, um, I recommend if you're going to do quite a bit, quite a bit of carbohydrates to do them at lunch. Um, and then dinner, I think should be protein and vegetables or fat and vegetables. Wonderful. I'm thinking of my own diet if I'm practicing that. (laughs) And then I, sorry, on exercise, you asked me that piece too. So, um, I'm a, I'm an exercise fanatic and I, I love to go out and go hard and mountain bike and all that. But when I check my glucometer, it's actually a lot better for me to do lower intensity exercise. Um, if I've had a really stressful week, but some people can actually manage um, having higher blood sugar or having higher intensity on exercise. Um, I personally tell people we're, we're so stressed out in our daily life. Like if Zumba makes you happy, go do Zumba. If taking a walk makes you happy, I think that's awesome. Get out and move and do something. Like you don't have to do a HIIT workout, but if you feel great after you do a HIIT workout, do a HIIT workout, do yoga. Just moving your body, I personally think is good um, versus having this intense exercise training program, et cetera. I just don't think going harder and doing more is necessarily better, just from my own experience with what I see on blood sugar. Absolutely. And I think and what you're saying about blood sugar immensely resonates. And we talk a lot about cycle syncing on this podcast and really connecting to your menstrual cycle or for the women who listen and shifting your workouts based on where you are in your moon cycle. What about fertility? I find this to be truly an epidemic. Even just before we hopped on, I was speaking at Salesforce and we were talking about, um, I was bringing in meditation to kind of de-stress this one of their departments there. And we were talking about how women are really struggling with fertility. Any tips or ideas for that? Yeah. So there was a research article, interestingly, that came out that I think is also affecting this generation um, heavily that's trying to get pregnant. Um, They have said that there's some literature to that the HPV vaccine makes women sterile. There's that. I know your face. Oh my God. (laughs) I mean, mic drop. So there is that. Um, There's some other, other things, you know, that are more along with the functional or nutrition side of things. Um, 
that, for example, meditation, what you're talking about is so great. I mean, our cortisol levels are so high, especially at night. We're stressed out. What, when should we have sex? How much? Where should I exercise when I'm trying to get pregnant? Like, you know, so meditation, bringing that back down, I mean, is so important for boosting up your neurotransmitters, your brain chemistry is so important for lowering cortisol, which most people, especially at the end of the day, a lot of people have high cortisol. So doing that meditation is incredible. Um, fertility, I just see it is individualized on lab work. I see a lot of women with very low progesterone, which is an implantation hormone, which is the, the hormone that helps you get pregnant. Um, I see a lot of women with that because we're so stressed that our body can not so, okay, let me just go back. The adrenal gland gets a certain amount of fat per day to run its pathway. And the adrenal gland is in charge of the sex hormones. And ultimately, if we're stressed out, the adrenal gland can choose to allocate and put all of its hormones in cortisol and leave out progesterone. And so ultimately, and then that can also create some inflammation. So ultimately, that could be a cause for low progesterone, blood sugar issues, infections, any sort of inflammation. Um, I'm seeing a lot, sadly, of anterior pituitary problems, which is where a, a lot of the hormones, you know, uh, the conductors of the hormones are based. Um, and a lot of folks are saying that that is from eating disorders, which as women, we can be predisposed to. Um, you know, it can also be due to toxic chemicals, um, exposure, yeah, to probably molds, etc. So um, I think fertility is, every situation is a little bit different with the patient. Every single thing is a little bit different. So it's really looking at, I think, the lab work or intuitively what you're thinking if you're a healer and really just paring down those problems to get the body back in optimal health. Because when the body's in optimal health, it it's able to maintain pregnancy. We're also, I, I see a lot of problems with um, dysregulated Hashimoto's or undiagnosed Hashimoto's is why these women are having miscarriages, which absolutely breaks my heart because they come in, they think something is wrong with them as a woman. There's nothing wrong with you. Just something is dysregulated on labs, super easy to fix. And they just think something's wrong with them because they can't have any more babies or they're having miscarriages and that it, it, it pulls on my heartstrings in practice to watch women struggle like that. Yeah. Even hearing you speak about it and even, I mean, we all, every woman knows somebody who's having a really hard time getting pregnant right now. And it's, it's an epidemic. It's really hard and it takes away some of what women really connect to as, as a woman, as being able to birth something into the world and have that energy in their womb. So some practices that if you're struggling with fertility, de-stress, breathe, meditate, balance your blood sugar, repair the gut, or come into practices that get you back at that that balanced state. And I know a lot of this conversation also really leads to our relationship to sleep and staying asleep and waking up in the middle of the night. And what are some practices we can do 
for a good night's sleep. Yeah, the body definitely repairs when we sleep. Um, it's, it's really powerful. I think we have to figure out what is dysregulating the sleep. I mean, it goes back again to pretty individual approach. Um, so for example, if cortisol is high or you're waking up multiple times a night, I will think blood sugar or high cortisol or adrenal function. I also will think of GABA, a neurotransmitter. So for the patients that are running through lists and lists and lists, and they just feel this inward anxiety, they are just, they wake up in the middle of the night and they're like, we got to pare down these lists. Um, I'm thinking of maybe a GABA deficiency where they're making too many excitatory hormones. Um, and so sometimes I will do a GABA supplementation. If someone's having trouble falling asleep, um, sometimes I'm going to think of something more in the serotonin family. And again, this is short term. Like you do not need to be on an SSRI. I mean, that's a whole nother conversation, but, um, I will give like the, the precursors to serotonin. So it's very safe. You pee out what you don't need. It's non-addictive. And just to boost those levels up, especially if someone is craving carbs or they explain things like I get depressed in overcast weather. Um, they're just not creative. An example I give on this is when we think of serotonin, we think of this very depressed patient. But my experience personally with serotonin was really interesting when my serotonin went low. Um, what I noticed, I was, I have two offices and, um, and that I had to decorate one. And then I was also moving my personal residence. So I had bought a house a little bit further out into the mountains because I love the mountains. And, um, anyway, I remember just feeling like, I don't care what paint color this is. I don't want to talk about a countertop for the kitchen. I don't know what to hang there. I mean, it was like I had no creativity. I was just flatlined. That's actually, that was a serotonin deficiency. So um, ultimately, the ability to fall into a deep restful sleep can be serotonin. So uh, those things I look at, um, you know, a lot of times gut infections can be active at night. Um, you know, so for example, parasitic infections can be active at night. Um, you really want to think about what the patient is eating uh, before bed or what they're doing. Uh, patients that drink alcohol before bed will tend to wake up in the middle of the night. Um, again, it's those blood sugar swings. So I pare down what's going on. You know, meditation, like you talked about, is really helpful before bed. Again, lowering those cortisol levels really helps to get a deep, restful sleep. I've also seen when women are low in hormones, like menopausal women, they have a hard time sleeping. They wake up hot. Um, so, I mean, that's really um, a hormone picture. But in a, in a, in particular cases, I can think of one where the woman where the woman had uh, a little bit of elevated liver enzymes. Like they were still very normal. That's AST and ALT. They were still very normal, but they were just a little bit higher. And once I gave her a liver detox, she stopped having hot flashes at night. Um, so it just kind of depends on what's going on with the picture. I hate to be that broad, but those are some of the big things I see with it. 
Beautiful. That's so important. I feel like that serotonin supplement is something a lot of people really need right now, especially right now. Everyone kind of is losing that little bit of spark. And when you're so affected by the weather, it's such a good teller Mm -hmm. of how easily can you shift. And maybe that's a supplement. We will add all these supplements in the footnotes. If you're listening, you're thinking this resonates, check out our footnotes. We'll have that information for you. And we can go through serotonin symptoms. If you think that would be helpful, we can just, we can tell people about what those would look like. Sure. I've got a list of them right here. So let me just like quickly just say this because I feel like a lot of people have problems with this, but you're losing pleasure in hobbies or interests, overwhelmed with ideas to manage. You have feelings of inner rage or anger. You have feelings of paranoia. You feel sad or down for no reason. You feel like you're not enjoying life. You lack artistic expression. You feel depressed in overcast weather. You're losing your enthusiasm for favorite activities, losing enjoyment for favorite foods, losing enjoyment for friendships and relationships, difficulty falling into a deep, restful sleep, more susceptible to pain, feelings of unprovoked anger, losing your interest in life. And what I have seen clinically is patients with IBS have low serotonin because it actually will help the gut contract and move through. And migraines that don't seem to respond to anything else, a lot of times can respond to serotonin. Wow. That's fascinating. Okay. So we will put all that info in the footnotes so it can serve you. And hopefully it does. Dr. Barter, thank you so much. If you had the ears of all the wise women in the world, what would you share with them? I think one of the biggest things that I've learned through my journey is If you know something is wrong with you and you know that something is not right, trust your intuition. You know when something's not right. Every woman that comes in has a really pretty solid idea of what is going on with them. And they have been trained kind of through their concerns when they visit visited practitioners that there's nothing wrong with them or it's in their head or whatever else. But you know when something's wrong with you, trust your intuition, find somebody that will listen. And ultimately, I think there are a lot of people that have also walked that road or that journey that want to help you. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here, Dr. Barter. I'm so, that was such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Everyone, if you're listening, feel free to comment below which practices resonated with you. If you have any questions, I will add all of Dr. Barter's info so you can connect with her. As always with podcasts, we need high ratings, subscribers, and comments to receive good standing and to continue sharing wise words with women around the globe. So please comment, subscribe, share with a friend, rate us. We love hearing from you. Big love and looking forward to chatting next week. Thanks so much.